Off top, the modern tournament is believed to have evolved from training exercises for knights created by Baron of France back in the 11th century. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Welcome to the Dominique Foxer Show. Later on, we're going to talk some college football with Lucy Rodine. Uh, shout out to Jeffrey DePuelli. You can say it better than that. Jeffrey DePuelli. That's the go. French Baron. I always feel bad doing accents. Like, I feel like when you're, I guess with names, you have to do it. But like, when when I was in Spanish class, when I was like a kid. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would do the worst Spanish. So cringy. Yeah, because I felt like it was when you were trying to sound like a fluent Spanish speaker. It always felt a little racist to me. <laughs> and I guess uh, it doesn't count if you're doing a French accent because whatever, but that's right. It always feels like a little weird when you try to do the accent a little well. Like, I, I want you to know I'm American. I'm just trying to speak your language, but I can't speak. Uh huh. That's all. I mean, that's that's the extent of my French. Croissant. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ashley actually speaks fluent French, which helps with Haitian housekeepers. Hmm. <laughs> that's all I say to him. <laughs> It's good very morning. good. Oh. Oh, 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 steak frites. Oh. Croissant. <laughs> Mbappe. Before, that's it. Before we get to the college football stuff, we got some tournament talk. NFL playoffs starting this weekend. What is this? A, <laughs> is it Super Wild Card Weekend? Is yeah, that what we're doing? That's right. That's does, right. Does the divisional round have a superlative that goes with it, or is it just... Just most super we'll name it we'll cross that bridge when we get to it i noticed that they got sponsors for the whole weekend now and i felt getting that money just boy churning they get churning. that money boy they add another game it, i mean because before it was just like wild card weekend yeah. then it became super wild card weekend now it's super wild card weekend presented by well unlike you i'm not giving out no free advertisement you shout out Evian with, with that charlie flesh colored sweatshirt they gave you <laughs> It's, super, it's I'm exactly. in a skin suit right now. <laughs> exact same color as your face. Um, oh, gosh. But, and also, like we have all good games this weekend. We, we don't have that traditional we early. All, so, pretty much. I mean. I guess none of the teams are good, but all of them are interesting. Steelers. Steelers Bears. Or sorry, Steelers Bills without TJ Watt. You're right. Yeah. That, one, that one can probably go. Um, so, yeah. Like you said, we're doing NFL superlatives for Super Wild Card Weekend. We're only talking about the wildcard team. So Ravens and 49ers, you get a pass for this week, but I'm going to present a few superlatives. We'll talk through the answers and see where it gets us. Okay. First one team most likely to go on a Cinderella run. Okay. So we don't have to define the qualifications of Cinderella because it's just a feel because I feel like the, yeah. the bucks are a division winner, but it would they definitely be a Cinderella yeah. run. But the first thing that comes to mind for me is the team that's on their fourth quarterback who also has already won a championship. I don't know if you have a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Does that remove you from Cinderella uh, candidacy? But I think the Not Browns. Not when he was on this couch a month, month yeah. and a half ago. The Browns qualify to me as Cinderella. Uh, Storylines aside, uh, they have the talent to get it done. And that defense is the best in football, which I guess when I think of the most historic Cinderella runs, it's both of those runs by the Giants come mm-hmm. to mind. And those teams had great defensive lines, but no one expected them to make a deep run. And I could see them getting it done with the talent that they have, the first round game against a rookie quarterback and uh, Joe Flacco. I mean, we've had this conversation over and over again, but that comes to mind. Who do you think? I had the Browns also, but I'll okay. give other answers. But the... The thing that would push back against the Browns is that what makes it slightly interesting, they're going on the road for this game. At home, 
unstoppable defense, or I guess stopping everyone defense is a better way to put it. Allow, allowing 13.9 points per game at home, 29.6 on the road. They're three and five on the road this season. Does that give you any pause? Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess home road splits are weird to me because I, I, I mean, I guess it, it feels like as we move further into the future and I guess maybe it's just with the advancement of like travel and whatever and recovery it seems like home field advantage doesn't mean as much but crowd mm-hmm. noise is a significant thing that matters in football in particular and I, I imagine that the defense is better at home I, my guess is most defenses are better at home because of the crowd noise impact but overall I don't really think that it makes a huge difference I think like better teams can go on the road and beat teams that they're better in better than I know you're going to bring up the Cowboys or something like that. Like, no, I was just going to say, I was just going to say like Cinderella run. I wanted to push this forward a tiny bit. Does that mean they're the team that you think could, could presumably win a, a couple games in a yeah. row? Oh yeah. I thought that's yeah. what we were talking yeah. about. Definitely. It's not Definitely. just the team that could get an upset this weekend. Cause I haven't looked at the, the odds, but I don't really see too many of these games as having a legitimate upset again, right. except for the Steelers. That'd be a legitimate upset. Mm-hmm. Most of these other games I could see going either way. I guess I would favor the chiefs over the dolphins in that game, but not by a lot. Like I wouldn't be shocked if any right. of these other teams uh, won. So I'm assuming I'm thinking of a team that can get to like the conference championship right. is what I imagine. You got to win two games for me to consider it a run It's one game is upset. Any concern that Joe Flacco has been sort of a different guy playing against zone coverage this weekend or this season, and he's playing against Houston, who plays the second most zone coverage in the league? Yeah, so Houston's defense is a descendant of D'Amico Ryan's, uh, I guess, descendant of the Shanahan system, because I think that defense, as much as we would like to attribute those defenses to other teams, they are running the Shanahan defense out there. And it's a zone-heavy defense, requires a lot of route recognition, smart DBs, and a great defensive line. They don't have that great defensive line. The zone coverage thing, so you could have stopped after, uh, am I nervous about Joe Flacco? (laughs) (laughs) The answer is yes. So whether it's zone or man, it's Joe Flacco. And, like, he was home, and I – I don't want to at all be disrespectful. Like a Super Bowl champion, he's gone on a good run for them, but we all know who he is. Yeah, he gonna he gonna he has the propensity to struggle from time to time. So yes, whether it's zone, whether it's man, uh, no matter what defense is out there, something about it does something about Joe Flacco coming off of the couch makes me a little concerned about what they can do. And the Playoffs, entries, though, yeah. I trust him coming off the couch more than Aaron Rodgers. Um, <laughs> Fair point. Let's. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take the other side on this. My Cinderella team, most likely to go on a run. Okay. Can't believe this team dropped to me. Uh, <laughs> it's the Houston Texans. And let me tell you why. Okay. Because of that D'Amico Ryan's defense. Because your future Hall of Fame cornerback, Derek Stingley, taken away half the field. Because Will Anderson has transformed that pass rush. And because if C.J. Stroud, don't let him get one. Don't let him get one so, and go into Baltimore because we're going to talk about someone who's going to be an emergent, hottest quarterback in the league. He just knocked off. If he knocks off the Browns defense, everyone's on notice. He can so, win a couple. Um, I like that pick if it wasn't for the fact that they have to start um, with the Browns. Mm-hmm. So I think you're, you're right in saying that that team is capable and they will be the most Cinderella if we're talking about like the Cinderella-ness of the story. I don't believe that there's any other team who was less likely at the start of the season than this team. Of any team in the entire playoffs, I'm looking at them now. They are probably the team I would have picked 
further down on the rankings of anybody. So they are the most Cinderella of we any We thought story. they might have had like yeah. the worst team in the league. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So they are the most Cinderella of any story. So yes, but the problem is their toughest matchup is probably going to be week one. Mm-hmm. And C.J. Stroud, I was watching a lot of C.J. Stroud tape last week, and he struggles against man coverage. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He's going to be playing with the Browns. They play a lot of tight man coverage. And C.J. Stroud, as great as he's been, and I hate to do this because I want to celebrate him. He's a young quarterback. He's had one of the best rookie seasons of a quarterback in NFL history ever. Top three by my calculations. There you go. Thank you for your calculations. However... He's a rookie quarterback, and to whatever degree it matters about how the playoffs are different, mm-hmm. he hasn't experienced that. What does matter, though, is this defense is the best in football, and it's not only that they're the best in football, they're the best at what CJ has shown, and the stats back this up. It's not just eye test at what CJ has shown that he can struggle with so far in football. So if they get past the Browns, then I could see them getting to uh, getting a win and getting to the next round and find themselves in a championship game. But this Browns matchup is tough. Yeah. Any honorable mentions for you? Yeah. Rams. Yeah. That was, this, that was yeah, mine. That was the, mine too. Yeah. I, and again, it's, it's hard. You have a hall of famer, defensive tackle. You have a quarterback who's won a Super Bowl recently. You have future a great coach. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say future hall of Famer, but we had that conversation. We started to have that. Put a pin in that. That's a, okay. that's a summer, summer debate. Um, yeah. And they have weapons, yeah. uh, receivers and running backs, all very good. Puka breaking record. So it, it feels possible. And I think what they're, they're only lost in like their last eight weeks, right, is to overtime the Ravens. So people are rolling that out there as a reason to believe in them. Uh, they're going to be well coached. Yeah, I, I think I started with that. Yeah. We're a Hall of Famer stuff. But anyway. Oh, I thought it was about Aaron Donald. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, Aaron Don- no, 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 Aaron Donald. Then I went coach. Then you were too caught up in That's trying right. to call Matt Stafford a Hall of Famer to catch that. But uh, yeah, so it, it's possible. I think they're going to have a tougher time with the Lions than than people think. And Matt Stafford has a little bit of that little do, do too much bug occasionally mm-hmm. can pop up. That'll be a good game. I would say their honorable mention Tampa Bay because they got a lucky draw with the Eagles, which is, yeah, yeah the Eagles are dead team walking. It feels like maybe they'll hit some switch and everyone will get healthy and play well. But yeah, that's a problem. And then you got the Packers. The yeah. Packers are Cinderella possibility because of how good Jordan Love has been in this they, season. They could be everyone's hero if Jordan Love, the quarterback of the Packers, takes. Now, that's not, that's oh, not oh, a shot oh, yeah, attack. Yeah, 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 yeah. If Jordan Love, oh, quarterback of the Packers, oh, right now, please do right it. now please wins a couple games for the Packers. Go Jordan Love. Well, actually, don't beat Dak, but also ball out. He's I already mean, done enough to solidify uh, Goody Main's decisions in draft building or in uh, roster construction. All he's got to do is win uh, two games over the next eight years to win more than their last quarterback did <laughs> over that eight-year span. That's fair. Get your Super games. Bowl in there, and you're right on par. All right, what's next? All right. Um, since he's not playing, we can take Rodgers off the board, but most likely to choke in the first round. <laughs> most likely to choke in the first round. I know what you're going to say. I feel like you, you can answer this question first, so you can say – the Detroit Lions. Oh, really? And Jared Goff. Jared wow. Goff in particular. You surprised me. Okay. I thought you were going to go Dak Prescott. No, 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 no. Me. I don't think so. Not in the, not in the first round. All my, right. I think here's my here's my reason for Jared Goff. Jared Goff in particular, not the Lions. And mm. um, he's got a better roster. He's been really good at home, really good in a dome, and that's what's set up for him here. But he's going against Matt Stafford, going against this Rams defense. You couldn't see it. Tight game. 
fourth quarter, they're actually pressuring Goff. We know what happens when he plays against pressure. Aaron Donald comes up the middle. He has to throw before he wants to. He throws the back-breaking interception. Are you trying to sell me on something that yeah, that, that that is free? Like, I'm just saying, can you see that? Like, yeah. you, you close your eyes, right, you're I'll looking at this it. game. You're looking at the dome. You see like Lions fans and Michigan fans celebrating, and you see you see nine nine coming through the middle of that line. Yeah, that, that's getting thrown up for grabs in the middle of the field. Uh, I don't know if uh, there is some sort of good karma for the entire state of Michigan because of how Michigan won, or if they've done enough one winning this year. But actually. The, the Pistons are losing enough for everybody, so I don't see it working out. In the whole sports landscape of Michigan, I think the Lions get this win. I could certainly see it. The I mean, we've seen it happen this year in a, a couple stretches and in tight games, especially against the, uh, the Cowboys. He was trying to get that thing away. And you know Dan Campbell's going to be aggressive. He's going to trust his man, Goff. I was actually wondering that. Is Dan Campbell, is he's liability or asset in this first Asset. Play? Asset. Yeah. I mean, it's number one on, on the principal board that we won't put up. Trade-offs. Okay. He is a lot, he's an asset that comes with liabilities, just like all other assets. But by and large, I think he's on the positive side of the balance sheet for what he brings. His, aggressive, his aggressiveness most of the time coincides with what the analytics suggest, and I think it also permeates that team. Okay. I, I want you to close your eyes and imagine this again okay. for one more time. It's the first quarter, 7 nothing, huh? and the Rams are up 7 nothing. It's fourth and sixth. The Lions have the ball from their own 35-yard line. Dan Campbell runs a fake punt. It gets stuffed, and the Rams go down and score. And then Jared Goff is playing from behind. They're able to get – they can't run the ball. They're able to get after his <laughs> And do you, that's on Campbell as much as it is on Goff. Is that not a situation you could foresee as well? I could definitely foresee Dan Campbell being too aggressive. But what comes with aggression? I think about this from the, the semifinals of the college game where – the Wolverines were aggressive on that fourth down on that game-winning drive. They had a perfect play call mm -hmm. ready for that situation. They were prepared for it. So maybe it's about Johnson, the offensive coordinator, being ready with the pro proper play call, but I have a hard time imagining them going for it in a tough spot like that and not being reasonably certain that they got something that's going to be easy to execute for Jerichoff. So I have a hard time seeing that, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Jerichoff making mistakes is not impossible to imagine, but them protecting him and keeping him clean uh, and him having a good game and Detroit finally winning a home playoff game or winning a playoff game, forget home or away, winning a playoff game for the first time since I think it was 96, right? I think 93. 93? Yeah. yeah, I, I, I kind of hope that happens. But is there anybody in Michigan, I guess we should, we should ask Brian, a producer, that would – be happy for Matt Stafford? Definitely. Yeah, they Definitely. would be happy. No, they wouldn't. Yeah. No, they would. So if you if you care about Matt Stafford, that means you're a Lions fan. Yeah. You're not going to be able to put aside your your disappointment and disgust and be happy for Matt Stafford. There will be no Matt Stafford. You think they cheer him before the game? They don't cheer him after the game if he wins. Yeah. I, 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 they, can't, they can't cheer him before the game. They you can't. don't think so? I think I they mean, will. I think, I think people will, but, like, you can't. You can't cheer for the opposing quarterback before the Is game. Is that loser behavior? Yeah. All right. Um, I think, and like, so my guess is a lot of the, I'm saying this as a commanders fan where we're happy when our players go elsewhere and prosper. I'm sure there were a lot of lions fans that were happy when he won the first super bowl with the Rams. So how hype were you when your quarterback Carson Wentz, um, Come on. led that comeback. Come on. Get out of here. <laughs> That's your guy. Get out of here. So who's, who's your most likely to choke? I mean, um, you, you let it, you, you sort of 
yeah. whimpered out Dak Prescott. So. No, I, I don't think he's most likely to choke. I think Dak is going to be fine. Like, there's nothing about this scenario the, that should make Dak crumble. Like, he's comfortable under pressure. Like, he every week of his entire career has been a tremendous amount of pressure. He's been to the playoffs a number of times. He's playing as well as anybody, and he's going up against a defense that he should eviscerate. Nothing about this suggests to me that Dak Prescott uh, should struggle. Even if they lose, I don't imagine it'll be because Dak Prescott uh, got tight or choked in this big situation. I think the choking thing, I guess it doesn't depend on whether you're a favorite or not. You can be in these even matchups and still choke. And... What I'm laughing because I just completely dragged us into the mud to the most with the most sports media discussion. Yeah, yeah, most no. likely to choke. Like that's fair. Gonna, that's, that's fair. We're going through hypothetical that's jokes. Okay. All right. All right. Let's, let's keep it moving. Then also Philadelphia. Boo. They're going to be in trouble. All right. What's the next question? The next one. Uh, this we player a team uh, most to lose in round one. Okay. And this I don't actually think it's just the sports media contract. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah. this is actually interesting contextual for how we're going to view someone after this game if it goes poorly. So I, the Dolphins in general come to mind mm-hmm. because of how they've already kind of – you had Mike McDaniel come in and he built something that they we all thought was good and impressive – Tua gets hurt last year, and they still put up an impressive showing in the playoffs, and it feels like, okay, last year was a win. Mm-hmm. We're positive. You go get Jalen Ramsey. You go get Vic Fangio. Late last year, you get Chubb. And we're like, all right, they're building something. They score 70 points on the Broncos. They're the best team in football by many people's estimation at a certain point. They're building to something this season. And then the injuries start happening, and the Bills come and get their they don't even win their division. Right. It feels like a real disappointment and a real terrible loss that is hard to come back from psychologically if they lose in the first round of the playoffs after having all these things going for them. But even though the context that they're really banged up, they're going into Arrowhead where it's going to be like zero degrees, like uh, none I, of that. I mean, I, we I, expect them to lose their four point dogs. Okay, then it will be a, a you. You are mitigating some of the repercussions from this, but it's not enough. It's mm. still the overarching story. Everybody's getting injured. Everybody yeah. has to go on the road at some point and win some games that are important. It happens. Even the Super Bowl is not a home game. At some point, you're gonna have to go on the road and win a game. I don't think that that. Uh, I don't think that soothes the fact that they went from a team that had promise and was moving in the right direction to a team that blew their division. Like, had it wrapped, had a three-game lead in the division. It's almost insurmountable in a 17-game season, and they blew it. And now they need to win at least one playoff game, need to improve upon last year when they didn't win the division and lost in the first round of the playoffs. So they were actually one of my teams I thought had the most to gain. Yeah, because I think our perception of them would change much more with the win than a loss. I think if they lose, that's what's expected of them at this point. And that leads me to my team, really my player, who I think is the most to lose. Look at Patrick Mahomes. Really? Yeah. Not Dak again. I wanted to go Dak. Dak I wanted to go Dak, but I want to to pair this together. We should do Dak on the the backside of this. But so. The great take. The Patrick Mahomes take is a good one. Patrick Mahomes is not just playing against the Miami Dolphins. Patrick Mahomes is playing against ghosts. This is someone who we have anointed on the Tom Brady level. Tom Brady, who was able to win playoff games with dog water receivers, dog water off the talent for the first decade of his career. And we just assumed, and I think the, the Kansas City Chiefs assumed, just put Patrick Mahomes out there with anyone and they're going to be fine. We have 
rumblings that Kelsey could retire this offseason. There's been words about how long Andy Reid will stick around. And what's to lose with with someone like Patrick Mahomes? His standing of how we are rating him historically, how we're going to rate him now. This could legitimately, this is this I don't even think is a hot take. I just think it's something that we have put off. This could be the end of that first Chiefs run. It's not the end of Patrick Mahomes' total Chiefs. Obviously not the end of his total Chiefs run. As long as he's there, they're going to be able to build good teams around him. But like, this is going to be a team without Tyreek Hill, who they could lose to in this game, which would be an embarrassment for the for uh, to lose to a banged up Dolphins team with Tyreek Hill going into Arrowhead and giving it to them. Um, they could lose Kelsey. They could have him trotting out next year with a bunch of 23-year-old receivers who aren't good and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and a new coach, new slightly different system. And we look at all of this in the next five years of Patrick Mahomes, someone who's made the AFC championship game and every year he's been the starter, completely different than the first five. Yeah, so I I, I like that. I would have, like, the reason why I said it's a good take is originally I would recoil at the idea that Patrick Mahomes has anything riding on this because we're not going to change the way we fundamentally feel about him no matter what happens. He could throw a four interception game and lose. And mm. at the end of you it, think we're- so? Yeah, we're still going to think Patrick Mahomes is great. Like, that, this yeah. is my point. Yeah, he's still going to be an MVP front runner before the season starts next year. They're, the Chiefs are still going to be someone that we respect as a potential Super Bowl contender. That's my point in the short run. But to the point that you made at first, is Patrick Mahomes, like, because the start of his career was so incredible, yeah. he's not competing with the other quarterbacks. He's the only quarterback that's in the league right now that we believe is on par or has an opportunity to compete with all time names. Yeah. And these seasons, you don't get a lot of them. And there's a lot weight riding on this to waste the season. And it doesn't, he doesn't have to win the Super Bowl. Like he surprisingly won it last year with a team that I thought wasn't good enough. And to your point, the receivers aren't great. The offensive line is not protecting him as well as he needs to be protected. So this team is worse than last year's team. The defense is better though. But I would say that you can't lose those years. And when you're at a certain level, we even chronicle your playoff runs as an addition to your legacy. Yes. And it will be counted for you or against you at the end of this when we count this all up. And I do think he could he could be terrible and they could lose this year. And then he could go on to win a bunch more Super Bowls and we won't care. But he could also have a moment like Josh Allen had a couple of years ago that changed the way we talk about Josh mm-hmm. Allen, even though he lost that game. You can go back to John Elway having big drives to get them to Super Bowls that they inevitably lost. But those moments for certain players do matter and they carry a certain amount of weight. So there's a lot riding on every season for Patrick Mahomes because he can't waste any. So I want to ask you this. Mahomes is a bad game, spiking his helmet, he's pissed at the receivers. They lose to a Dolphins team who they should beat in the first round. Does that table some of the Brady goat talk with Mahomes to you no. this offseason? I mean, like I you'd think, still go into the offseason and be like, yeah, he's, I, I think, he's 1B. I think Brady goat talk should already be tabled. Like, I, I don't think that it I should agree, be on the table. I agree, but it's definitely yeah. out there. It's yeah, definitely I mean, out there. It's, it's absurd. I, we got plenty of time to talk about it. I think comparing him to uh, people who have one or two Super Bowls is one thing. And it's not even about comparing to the number of Super Bowls. I think it's kind of difficult to have him chasing other people while their careers are done and he's still in. So I, I think that no matter what happens in this game, we're going to blame this season on everyone other than Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. and he's going to be off the hook. 
So I don't think that there's anything to lose in this game for him necessarily, but I do think there's something to gain. If he wins this game with this talent, if he wins another game with this talent, he gets them back to an AFC championship game with this defense that's very good and the weak offensive talent around him, I think that will count as some point for him in his all-time legacy conversation and will look around and say, as long as Mahomes is there, you clearly have a chance. So let's talk about the DAC of this. Okay. He, was, he, is the, he was the low-hanging fruit that we, that we both skipped. No, seriously, because I feel like Dak Prescott in a wide-open uh, NFC has to make the conference championship or it's sort of a bust season. Yeah. I don't think that beating Jordan Love and the Packers is anything for him to gain. Yeah. So it's, a, it's almost like a, you have to just win to take the pressure off type of thing. But Agreed. he has the most to lose. He probably is the answer for the most to lose. The problem with saying that is I would have said the same thing last year, and then we're back here where we are now. He's playing so much better this year. He had a right. much better season this year. I get it, but I still think that, and you might be right, he can't gain anything from winning this game. He's just going right. to win it. Because last year he destroyed the the Bucks in the first round, and then they got their whooped by the 49ers, yeah. and we all talked about him like he was a disappointment in that team like he was bust. Well, y'all talked about him like that. I just listened. Mm. But I don't think he can gain anything this week. I do think that another failed run with a competitive team would be bad. But this one is probably their best chance in the last several years. And, yeah, it's, it's going to hang on him, whether he deserves it or not. But it feels like that every week, every season for the Cowboys quarterback. Most to gain. Uh, let's see. Most to gain. Uh, I just wanted to – I already I actually wanted to talk about Brian Gutekunst. But you already kind of got into it. I mean, I think he does have a lot to gain because the Aaron Rodgers trade, it seems pretty clear that uh, they won that. The ability to transition to what seems like, which clearly seems like a franchise quarterback in Jordan Love, who has the ability to be a top of the league quarterback. If he can do what he's done towards the end of the season for an extended run, he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in football. And Brian Gutekunst developed or built a roster that was competitive throughout Aaron Rodgers' time there, especially at the end when mm-hmm. he won. They had championship-caliber rosters every year, winning their uh, conference or, excuse me, having the best record in the conference, winning their division, getting to the championship round, and losing losing in the divisional round. All this time he built that roster. And then you think you have to go into a rebuild when you move on from your quarterback. Them getting to the playoffs already is a success. They got some young tackles that are good. They got a bunch of young skill players that are good. Of course, there are weaknesses on the defense. But I do think that having this one moment in the sun, if they could win a full week of us talking about uh, what Brian Gutekunst and what uh, LaFleur and what Jordan Love have been able to do immediately after they move on from their Hall of Fame quarterback – while Aaron Rodgers is doing interviews and stuff too, I think that is a lot to gain mm-hmm. for uh, that organization. That comes to mind. And especially because we'll likely get some flash plays by the receivers with yeah. Watson and Wicks and Jaden Reed. Maybe Debo, Jaden Reed. <laughs> Let's not get carried away. Let's talk about my man Debo like that. Um, so my answer for who has the most to gain is Baker Mayfield. And it's a, it's, it's a public perception answer because I think he's already done enough to earn a starting job for next season and brought himself back from like someone who was going to be journeyman out of the league type of guy. Um, but if he goes and beats the Eagles in a playoff game, I think our perception of him as like a media and from fans is going to be like, oh, he's not the commercial guy. He's not just the jokes guy. He's a real NFL quarterback. And he's done something that's like really hard to do, which is to flame out as a number one overall pick and get moved on from and then Multiple teams. restart your career. Yeah. Um, I, I think 
under the Packers umbrella. Jordan Love, too, because I feel mm-hmm. like he, while he's been playing really well, he it's hasn't been like prime time, hasn't been, they haven't been considered a championship contender. He hasn't gotten that stage. I do think he could benefit from doing all the things that he's been doing, but doing them in a playoff situation would be incredible for him. He has that opportunity game there. I had Jared Goff in my mind as a potential, mm-hmm. but I also kind of feel like, I guess the most to gain, it depends on how the game goes. Jared Goff is still, it feels like, a not fully bought into franchise quarterback. Yep. If he could do the thing that we all kind of think that he can't do, is like live outside of the play action and lead this team on a great comeback or something like that, it could, he could solidify himself and get another long term contract as a long term starter there. Most likely to be fired after this weekend. <sighs> It's got to be McCarthy, right? I mean, the, the damn owner of the team, uh, Jerry Jones, put it out there. And it sounds absurd considering the success that they've had, but I don't, it might have been you that mentioned it to me with the coaches that are available yes, out there. The it sounds market's crazy. a lot less absurd. And I guess Sirianni is a, a name that people are floating around being fired also, even though I think all this kind of sounds crazy to me. Yeah. But, well, I mean, Vrabel got fired, which – I would have thought was stupid prior to it happening. So I guess anyone can be fired. Yeah. I mean, the coaches on the market who are really hot names, we got obviously potentially Belichick. We don't know about that yet. You got Vrabel, Harbaugh, Slowick, Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson, who wants $15 million a year. Um, Get it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a rational decision to being like, we want to get rid of McCarthy because we actually think we can upgrade. Um, And that's what makes it rational with that. Cause it's like, he's probably not a great coach. The Sirianni one, they, they would have to fire the coordinators before they fired him. They'd have to get rid of Brian Johnson and Desai and Patricia. Just get rid of all three of them. Having three coordinators for two sides of the ball, it's also crazy. You know what? With all these big names available, I cannot wait for the parade of Sham Rooney Rule interviews. Because if you are saying, which I, I agree with you, you don't move on from McCarthy unless you have a decided mm-hmm. upgrade. That means that you can't fire McCarthy before you already know who your coach is. And so then Brian Flores and the gang going to have to go down there and pretend like they're getting interviewed for a job that they're never going to get. That's Brian, fun. Brian Flores should be an interesting candidate too. He's made that, that Vikings <laughs> defense awesome this year. Oh, um, I would say awesome. Respectable. Res- oh, for the talent level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome Overperform the, the talent yeah, level. Absolutely. Um, so a couple names you didn't mention. The first one. I don't think will happen because they will beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. But if Sean McDermott loses to the Steelers in Buffalo, he gone. That's fair. I've come around on Sean McDermott to some degree because I really appreciate how well this defense is played. And it's been driven a lot by secondary play, which has been replete with injuries. And he has taken over the defense. So, like, despite the fact that they moved on from Dorsey, they reduced turnovers since they moved on from Dorsey. So you could argue that that mm-hmm. even though the offense isn't as potent overall, they showed uh, a side, a run game that they hadn't had before, and they reduced turnovers, which those things may be connected. Mm-hmm. That seems like a good decision because they, I think at one point in the season, they had 0.1% chance to get the two seed. They got it. Yeah. So it's hard to argue that any decisions made along the way. Five and one way, down the stretch. Yeah. Six and one down the stretch. Yes, six and one down the stretch. It's hard to argue that any decisions made down the way weren't great ones. But he has a history of some bad ones, which includes giving a terrible 9-11 speech and also coming up short in some big games and not addressing whatever issues that they think they need to address with their offense until it feels like it's too late. But 
I still would be kind of surprised given what he's accomplished up at this point. You think somebody's going to come in and do better than, than that? If they lose to the Steelers, I do think he'll be gone. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And I think that they probably closed this first window because yeah. we thought this window had already closed. And they, they go into like rebuild mm-hmm. maybe two years from now, they're competitive again. I guess right. as long as you have Josh Allen, you're going to be good. Yeah. But like to be able to rebuild a roster, develop the talent, and make another run, I don't see. Diggs being a part of this next run. I don't see a lot of these players being a part of this next run. <laughs> I don't know if Diggs will be on the team next year yeah, based on what we've seen this yeah, year. I would agree. I can't remember the last Although time. Although they, they hugged after the game. Yeah, but like yeah. he must have hated that. Um, <laughs> can I sell you on, on Brett Veach? No. No. You can try. So to be clear, Brett Veach is the GM for the, the Kansas, City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Go ahead. Sell me. He broke up Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. He traded Tyreek Kill to the Dolphins. He replaced him with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who just does wind sprints out there. And he drafted Sky Moore early. He's tried to patchwork an offensive line that worked last year by getting a right tackle to play last, a left tackle. That's the one. Did it again this year. It didn't work this year. The offense is constipated and bad and has been bad all year. And that's almost impossible to do with Patrick Mahomes playing quarterback. And they might be at the end of that first run. The tackle decisions, them trying to get it going cheap on protecting their quarterback by moving right guys to left. That's the one where I'm like, all right, hey guys, don't don't play, don't mess around with the most precious asset in all of football, Patrick Mahomes. But it's really hard to move on from him considering the success that they've had under him. And I think we both agree that the Tyreek Hill decision. You can't use you can't celebrate it and use it to bash him. I don't celebrate it. It was a terrible I, decision. I, they won the Super Bowl afterwards. Yeah, so, not not because so, of that decision. No, not because of that decision. But I do think it puts that team. What he did with what was available after that decision was not great. But you can look at all the young players on defense that have panned out to have one of the best defenses in football and say that he's done those well. It's hard for me. He hasn't been a, a coach or excuse me, a general manager who has gone to the conference championship each of the last five years has won two Super Bowls and lost one, it's really hard. You're going to have to do some egregious stuff. His draft track record is is not without holes, but it's not without great successes. So, yeah, I think – and – He's been con- he's connected with Andy Reid. They have success together. Like yeah. I, I, I'm not breaking all that up until I have to. I just tossed it out and, there. And also, just like tossed it, it out there. All the decisions he made feel pretty defensible, except for the tackle decision. Like the Tyreek hey, one. Man. You, the Tyreek one. I'm saying de- defensible in the moment. The Tyreek one is defensible in the moment. Yeah, it is. I guess. I mean, would you have felt that way if they if like the Colts had gotten rid of Marvin Harrison in his prime when Peyton Manning was there? No. Exactly. Probably not. It's like these things are so precious, these quarterback receiver combos when they're that good. And like we it can't be both. It can't be every time we see Tyreek Hill, we're like, that's the best offensive player in the NFL. He completely changes the geometry of the game and be like, it was a good decision to move on from him. You figure out a way to make it work with him playing football with Patrick Mahomes because you put those you 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 say you're a threat with Patrick Mahomes on the field on the offense. Know what you are? You're the best offense in the NFL if you have both of them. Every that's- year. That's a fair point. Maybe he got a little too cute, got a little too smart for himself, but it does. It seems logical. Like it's a rational yeah. decision to make, especially when because coming the off that Super Bowl when they yeah. couldn't protect Mahomes, and and they needed to change it. And also, I think it like 
it lowers the volatility of your team. And if you have a trash quarterback, maybe you want to raise the volatility, but it lowers the volatility of your team, not like emotional volatility, but performance volatility because Tyreek Hill is one player. Yeah. And once your offense becomes Tyreek Hill-centric, as we see with the Miami Dolphins, if Tyreek Hill has an injury, your season's over. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea. What he was said, what he was thinking is, let's get a bunch of mediocre receivers and get and protect Patrick Mahomes. We'll be better off. He failed at protecting Patrick Mahomes, and the receivers are worse than mediocre. Yeah, yeah, way worse than mediocre. Yeah, which is like it's hard. <laughs> it's good. really hard to do that. Like you have to anticipate that at least you'll hit average. Yeah, like you'll hit on one or two. I guess Rice is a hit, but he's not like a. He's not like he's a, useful. Yeah, he's not a He's not a number one. Yeah. Right, that's it. Those are all us products. Cool. Let's go talk to Lucy about college football. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, welcome, Lucy Rodine, Metal Lark Media, college football expert, Noted weird thing collector. You told me so many weird things. You told me that you have a tea kettle that moves instead of like a squeak. Yeah, so it shapes like a cow, and when the tea's ready, it sounds like half like a moo, half like a tornado siren. Um, so it's a little jarring. You, pl- you 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 like were uh, went to school in Iowa, so I feel like a tornado siren would like be really concerning. 
See, that's the problem is when I like moved to Iowa, I immediately turned into like a dad where I was like the tornado siren. I needed to go out, stand on the porch with my arms like this and be like, oh, this looks like a big one coming in. So I actually kind of enjoyed the tornadoes, which is odd. But it, it feels like home a little bit, you know? It feels like Iowa. Shout out Cooper DeGene, my favorite cornerback mm. in all of Love college it. or professional football. Don't make him a safety. That's a sidetrack that we do not need to go on now because that would be racist. All right. No, making him a safety would be racist. Oh, I was not, like, no, I'm not, not talking, talking about Cooper DeGene would be I racist. I can't even say the word racist and Charlie gets all nervous. Relax. I just wanted to talk about Cooper. Uh, I love Cooper. Anyway, Lucy, I feel like people who don't know you probably confused why I want to talk to you about weird stuff, but you do like to collect weird things. You go on estate sales. We'll talk college football, but at some point, I want some insight on how yeah. we get to estate sales and how you collect so many weird things. Maybe a top five list mm -hmm. of the weirdest shit in your apartment. <laughs> Yeah, I can do that easily. That actually is tough. Just there's so much. There's so many <laughs> All things. All right, stick around for that. Charlie, what do you want to talk about? All right, so a really weird thing happened in college football on Monday night. A Big Ten team won the national championship. They actually won in the college football playoff. And so I do want to get – because there's, there's three parts of this to what this means. And I want to dive into all three. What does the national title – mean for Michigan, a program that had been down and hadn't won in 26 years uh, before Jim Harbaugh? What's it mean for the Big Ten as it becomes a super conference? And what does it mean for Jim Harbaugh? So starting with the Big Ten, this is obviously huge for the Big Ten, especially in this day and age where everything is so conference focused. And right now the Big Ten is more lucrative than the SEC. And this just kind of adds to that mm -hmm. equation. There's going to be more money for every school joining. Now that game was between two Big Ten schools starting like, you know, in nine months. That's absolutely insane. So it kind of shifts to like a, like a turning of the tide just with, I think it's not even as important that the Big Ten won so much as the SEC wasn't even represented in this championship game. I think it's a testament to NIL. I think it's a testament to the Big Ten style of football. I think it just is a huge turning point for this conference, which is, by the way, I'm very biased, my favorite conference. That's my number one. So just understand that all of this is coming from a very biased spot. But the Big Ten is like, this is kind of a turning of the tides moment. It's been a very long time since Ohio State won that we've had a Big Ten I'm champion. Sorry, Lucy, to to rain on your parade, but if Georgia was in uh, the Final Four, what do you think would have happened? Oh, Georgia would have. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Okay. That you you will not catch me having any other opinion <laughs> than that. But for some reason, Alabama's offensive line was like, "We're going to have one good game, and it's going to be against Georgia, and we're going to ruin everything." Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have been listening to people talking about the emergence of the Big Ten. And as it's so weird to call myself a Big Ten school because right. I grew up in Maryland. I grew up watching Maryland in the ACC. I went to Maryland. Maryland still feels like an ACC school to me. It didn't hit me until this morning that uh, we get in a check at Maryland because of what these Big Ten schools have done. But Maryland was smart on the conference realignment moving mm -hmm. before everyone else did. But I. I still have a hard time imagining because we're going to we're moving to a world where those two conferences, the Big Ten and SEC, are the only conferences that, that matter. But we're also moving towards the world where we're going to have a broader playoff. This seemed like contradictory to me. Like, why do we need to expand the playoff if we're going to have fewer conferences? We have fewer conferences. It can be clear who is the champion of the conference. Like, we should have less playoffs now. Have two conferences, one game. Don't make the, the, the Super unpaid, Bowl. Don't yes. Don't the make AFC the, and NFC of college football. Is is it not what's happening? Isn't that what happens in all professional sports? And you can't convince me that college football is not a professional sport. There's nothing about it that's not professional, other than the fact that we call it college. 
No, you are 100% right. I think with the playoff expanding and with these conferences expanding, the the biggest, there's a lot of casualties to this. The Pac-12, just sort of like the tradition of it all. Conference championships are useless yeah. now. They don't mean anything because you cannot make your conference championship game and then you'll you'll make it as a four seed in this 12-team playoff. They, they've overcorrected like a mm-hmm. way too far on this. We should have gone from four to six to eight. Four to eight, four to 12 is ridiculous. That is like so absurd. And we're going to see it next year when you're having like just the most obvious thing in the world that the the talent level on the yeah. best team in the country versus the 12th team, they are, they're not the same. They are not even close to the same. One of the things I think is worth noting too of why the playoff expansion had to happen with fewer conferences is I think, I do think winners of these conferences are going to be more schedule dependent because the conferences are yeah, so big. They're not, gonna play they're not playing everyone. And if you end up in, um, you know, a weaker side of the SEC or a weaker side of the Big Ten, you just get, you shouldn't be like a cakewalk to a smaller playoff. Yeah, I get it. That makes sense. But I also think that this is it's probably, we're getting away from the football and getting more into the business of college sports, which I know we don't necessarily want to do, but. That's Wednesday. People had two days to digest yeah. this game. One of the things that comes to mind for me is like, they are actively de-incentivizing or depreciating the value of the bowls, depreciating the value of the conference championships, but probably increasing the revenue of the sport as a whole and making sure that money goes directly to the places that they wanted to go because these playoff games are going to be so much more valuable properties to, to move than the, the bowls. I would love to get to a point where the bowls matter because that like reminds me of my upbringing, but I think we also have to accept that we're never going back there. Like Mm-mm. the bowls are only going to become less important, but still people watch them. So they're not going to go away. It's a weird, weird dynamic watching these bowl games, Lucy. Basically. Yeah. The, the bowls that matter that aren't, you know, the big, you know, New Year's six, which those don't even matter as much anymore. I sat through the entirety of the orange bowl. Like I can tell you, it doesn't matter that much. Um, are the bowls that have just like, cap like encapsulated what bowl season is which is kind of stupidity like the pop tarts bowl everybody was paying attention to that because you wanted to see a live edible mascot get sacrificed on national tv everyone you see you mean everyone except for me yes literally you were the (laughs) only one who didn't who didn't engage in it he's off twitter Uh, he's off twitter i don't really get on twitter like that so i don't i don't care about people eating the pop tart mascot Oh, it was awesome. <laughs> it was, it was. Wow. Who won the game? Do you know, Charlie, who won the game? Does I don't even know? know who played but in the game. But you saw the mascot. I've been looking forward to the Pop Pop-Tart mascot for months. Me and Michael Jr. were just, were just texting back and forth because he made it his mission to get a bite of the Pop-Tart. <laughs> Did he get a bite? No. Ah, uh, loser. <laughs> Sorry, Phil. Um, so I do want to ask about um, the Michigan Jim Harbaugh side. Sorry, I just totally pivoted, hard pivoted That's off the other bowl again. I'm taking so, off my jacket yeah, while we no, talk, so this, this show is out of control. So I do think this is, a, this is sort of a two-part one. I should have said, do you think this is the beginning or the end of something for Michigan and Jim Harbaugh? Ooh, that's a really good question. I have like caught myself on both sides of this where I saw a tweet yesterday that I it like opened my eyes where it's like, is Michigan, is Jim Harbaugh actually taking these jobs or are these interviews or is he just doing it to create this buzz for his team, which is a thing that Jim Harbaugh would absolutely do. Um, I do actually think it's towards the end. He's got the national championship. Michigan's going to lose a lot of talent next, next year. Ohio state is like vastly improved. I, I don't think Michigan's going to repeat anytime soon. And I think Jim Harbaugh has checked that box and you might as well get out now before the NCAA investigation and the violations come to light, because that's absolutely what's going to happen. I would leave if I were Jim, but I don't know if he will. I also would leave if I was Jim because it feels to me that 
college coaching is so much less about coaching at this point. And if you got into this as somebody like Jim is a football lifer, football family, a former professional quarterback, I suspect that he wants to coach. You know, like coach football, he has experience and has done well developing quarterbacks at the NFL level and into college level. He probably wants to do that. And that's the cool thing about being an NFL football coach is they show up because you pay them and because you draft them. You don't have to go and mm-hmm. convince them. And with the way that the portal has changed, you're not only recruiting the guys that are in high school, you got to recruit your own players. And that seems like a whole nother job that – Potentially Jim Harbaugh is actually pretty good at because he's so weird and quirky and like people connect to him in some way. But it also feels like a pain in the ass as you have more success and as you get older. What are you not going to want to do? Go kiss the ass of 22 year olds or 19 year olds or 17 year olds to get them to come to your school. I can't I can't imagine why you wouldn't want to go. You've already won a championship. Why wouldn't you want to go to a higher level, get paid more money and deal with by and large adults, adult ish people? Well, and that's one of the things that was interesting about the TCU loss for Michigan last year in the playoff. That loss was sort of embarrassing and convinced everyone to come back. Yeah. But what he's facing next year, if he does want to leave after after this offseason, where he'll be probably the hottest NFL coaching candidate on the board, he has to play in the regular season, Texas, USC, Washington, Oregon, and Ohio State before the Big Ten Championship. It's a, it's a tough road. I mean, USC is, is going to be a walk in the park. Yeah. yeah like, I wouldn't have put USC yeah, their on defense that list. was atrocious. And then going to lose Caleb? Whew. Oof. I will say something that I thought was like such a good point is he wants to coach. He didn't coach this year. Mm-hmm. He coached half the <laughs> exactly. season. He was suspended most of the year. <laughs> like th- This is the time to go. You got to work half a season. You're probably going to get in more trouble in the future because that was just the Big Ten's violation. And that was the NCAA's violation for a completely different thing. We know what Connor Stallions did. We know that Michigan got caught. Like it is only a matter of time before more intense violations come down. Like you should just go. You won. You did it. You're the Michigan man. Leave. I got two things. So, yeah, he's the – I mean, he won a championship with, at Michigan. It's pretty impressive. With Lloyd Carr won the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think Greeny pointed out this morning that Bo Schimbeckler, like their never big won. legend, never, never yeah. won one. So, like, he's brought this program to a place that it has really never really been in competition. But anyway, agreed. I got two notes, Lucy. You don't have to respond to them. It's just things that I, I need to tell you as a Big Ten lover and all my other fellow Big Ten brethren. Y'all got to grow up. So the SEC, you think they not cheating? But you know what they not doing? Telling on each other. So y'all got to sort this out between yourselves. You think that there's no recruiting violation? When's the last time you seen a recruiting violation in the SEC? When's the last time you seen a sign-stealing scandal in the SEC? You think those teams not doing it? They just not snitching. So you need to be big boys and girls. Stop telling each other and act right. That's all. Lane Kiffin's an SEC coach. Exactly. Let's be let's be real let's about be this. Let's be serious. You think that there are not violations taking taking place down there, but you know that they understand that when when one of these teams win, we all get money. So I'm assuming hypothetically, if I'm an SEC coach, I go to my my um school president and said, you know, over there they cheating. He gonna say, man, you don't shut your. So, well, you better cheat harder. <laughs> um, and my other point was, since I know you like weird things, did you happen to see that linebacker on USC that had oh. all of my attention? <laughs> he was like 6'5", 135. It was amazing at some point in the season. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It'll make you happy. No, I don't think I have. Oh. I've kind of avoided USC like as much as I possibly could. I watched, I was watching a lot of their games just for Caleb watching, and then they were going defense. And I was like, well, 
No. Who's that basketball player? What's he doing out there? He, he looks like a wide receiver. His name's Eric Gentry. He's six six two sixteen and wears number eighteen. He, he wears plays, number eighteen. Plays Mike. He's yeah. a six six two eighteen middle linebacker. It was outrageous, Lucy. Check it out. Promise you, it'll make you very happy. As one who collects weird things, you will want to collect that man. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got, Charlie? That's it? That's it. All right, cool. <laughs> Lucy, I had a question for you. What's on that poster behind you? Do you know what that is? Um, it looks like a film. Oh, okay. Thing. I didn't know. Um, this is not my apartment. My apartment's internet decided not to work with me today, which I really appreciate. Thank you. Thank you, Miami. <laughs> so I live in like an apartment complex that's like a dorm, oh. um, except for like a million times more expensive. Um, and so they have these study rooms. So when my internet went out, we zipped up to the study room and this one has this piece uh, of art. Well, thank you for making it work. I just didn't know how young you were or if people your age knew what like film from. Uh, oh, film's back. Oh, it's back. It's coming back. We're doing yeah, it's back. The, we went through a, a big like disposable phase. So film is All back. Right, cool. All right. When we close out top five weirdest things in your apartment and then we'll get out of here, please. Okay. Get it right. I have an OLI. Oh, we got OLIs. I thought you were having trouble coming yes. up with five. You're having trouble. No, I was having trouble narrowing okay, forget it down it. to five. Let's not, hold on, Lucy, about. let's not rank it. Just spit out a bunch of weird <laughs> and then we'll okay. close the show. All right, what do you got in your apartment, Lucy? Okay, so I have a hair lamp and it's a like a floor lamp with like pink, it looks like hair. <laughs> um so Gross. cute. It is so cute. so cute. I have a palm. I have a lot of lamps. I have a palm tree lamp. Mm. So cute. I'll send you a picture of that one. I have an alien lamp. Okay. I have a candle warmer that's shaped like a flamingo that doubles as a lamp. What's a candle warmer? Why do you need to warm your candles? Oh my God. Let me tell you, this is, it is the best invention ever. So you, you like, I love candles. You light a candle, it burns, you get the smoke in the air. It's bad for you. You get a candle warmer. You just sit the light bulb from the candle warmer, warms up the I've lamp. So you get the scent from the candle. It la it saves the candle's lifetime. It lasts and like five times as long. It's a candle. And you don't get cancer. <laughs> and you can just get it shaped like a flamingo. <laughs> I have the flamingo lamp. I also have a gummy bear lamp and you squeeze its oh. belly and then the light turns on. Oh, um, I have a jukebox. That's the coolest one I have by far. You got a, a high um, heel chair, a high heel shoe chair. I didn't get the high you heel didn't. chair. I tried to buy the high heel chair. Someone else took the high heel chair. I watched her buy it in front of me. It was like one of the worst moments of my life. She took it and I was like, no, that was my high heel chair. Um, so I don't have any weird chairs, but that's that doesn't mean we can't get them. All of my storage are like little lockers, like... <laughs> I don't have any just like regular cabinets or anything. They're all little lockers. Um, I have like five lockers in my apartment. Um, I have a gumball machine that's filled with disco balls. Um, oh, gosh. I have like 17 disco balls all over the place. It's so many disco balls. I also have a football that I put disco ball tiles on. So it's a disco football. Um, I have the cow tea thing. All right. Um, and I think that's it. I'm weirded out. I've had too much weird. As someone who likes weird stuff, those... you're too weird for me. That's too weird. I'm losing it. I have the, you remember the, like, the slime hats that they do yeah. at the NFL games? I got one of those, but I use it as a centerpiece. I put stuff. <laughs> 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 
Thank you so much, Lucy Rodine. This has been great. You're wonderful. Congratulations on completing another college football season. Hopefully we can talk to you soon. I don't mm -hmm. know. We have a spring ball conversation. I don't know. Preseason conversation. Cooper DeGene forever. Oh, yeah. yeah Pre-draft. Shout out, Coop. Do your thing, Coop. I love him. All right. Thank you, Charlie, for being an awesome producer slash co-host. Thank you to Podville for this wonderful studio. And, of course, thank you to the rest of the gang. Brian, national champion, Brian and the Michigan Wolverines, obviously, Megan, Serafina, Kevin, and Tez, we out. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.